Welcome to Ohm episode four, guys. Um, it's a long time in the making. This time, we're finally on Zoom chat. We've decided to be social distance friendly and reach out to some of my creators across the way. Um, we're coming at you north of Maryland and D.C. I got my boy Nehemiah over here, also known as Shot by Nehemiah. You might have heard a little bit about him in the last episode, episode three, or not episode three, episode two. Um, so... At last, welcome, Nehemiah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to finally be on here. Yeah, so tell a little bit about yourself and like what you do. Sure, yeah. Uh, I do a lot, but I guess in the context of this podcast, uh, I am a creative, I guess you could say, is like the umbrella term for me. Um, I do photography, videography. Uh, I write a little bit of poetry, um, and I do some other things as well. Um, But my main thing is photography. Um, And as Mario just mentioned, I have this brand called Shot by Nehemiah, which is very self-explanatory, but that's my whole photography gig. Um, Yeah, I I guess I got to work on my elevator pitch, but um, what specifically do you want to know about all that kind of stuff? Uh, We're going to touch everything as the podcast rolls on, so... uh... We'll tap into it and we'll get into a whole bunch of questions. But first, like, I want to know what your background is and how you were raised to end up in getting into photography. And yeah, and yeah. Just being creative. Yeah. Sure. Um, I love telling this story. It's kind of long. I'm going to try to keep it concise. But um, let's see. So from what I can remember, I was always taking pictures since I had an iPod Touch. Um So I take pictures of like sunsets on vacation or like random water puddles on the ground that had cool reflections or whatever. Just like really, you know, basic like visco type stuff. Um, From there, um, I would take pictures on every other phone that I got. So like I had an iPod and I had a new smartphone. And every time I got a new smartphone, I would just, you know, take more pictures. And I started on visco. Like I got visco for the purpose of like using their cool filters and stuff that they had. And I didn't care for the community too much. I just liked the editing tools that it had. Uh, so I took pictures on my phone for about like five years, like throughout high school and a little bit before high school. And then um, I was fortunate enough to intern with Google last summer in New York City. And I had wanted a camera up until that point. I asked my parents over and over and they were like, I don't think it's a good investment right now, et cetera, et cetera. Bunch of excuses. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to Google and buy my own camera. So that's what I did. Um, and last summer was when my skills kind of took off, uh, and I had the opportunity to just shoot with a bunch of different photographers and different models every weekend. Um, I would just go out into the city to a bunch of different meetups. Um, and yeah, from there, my skills kind of developed. I would just go to work nine to five. And then after that, just grind and edit photos. And it didn't feel like a grind. It just felt like, you know. Like I was back in high school playing video games, except I was doing something a little more productive at this point. Um, So from there, came back to school, uh, back to Atlanta. Um, I guess I could have said this in my introduction, but uh, I go to Georgia Tech with Mario. That's how we know each other. Um, And yeah, that's just a really dope area to be in for photography. Um, And yeah, I guess we could get into a little bit of that later, but that's, that's the background of how I got into photography. Yeah. So, uh, I know, like, you, you say you, you qualify your big jump start as being in New York and joining that, like, photography scene there. Was it hard getting to know, like, who was 
active in that area and like getting to meetups and all of that how yeah. did that look like mm-hmm, sure um how it happened was i was at work and i was like i think they have meetups in big cities like this and i want to go to one this was friday like the end of a random day a friday night uh a random work day and i was just like nyc meetups on google and there just so happened to be one happening the next day and i was like all right i'm gonna go so um i went and then the community was super super receptive to like me as a new photographer um the photography is really wholesome is something that i i learned um and everyone's willing to support each other and give each other chip, tips and to like bring you know some new people into the fold and everything and get them connected to different people so i wouldn't say it was hard to get into that scene it's actually really easy for someone that me that's, that's outgoing it's not really hard for me to make friends and to like insert myself into new spaces um so yeah it, everybody was super receptive very wholesome very welcoming and all that so it wasn't too difficult at least for the new york area i was in mm-hmm. and starting out what kind of camera did you pick because i know like <laughs> especially in like the expert camera community finding the first one is like picking a starter pokemon <laughs> right yeah there's a that's actually a really good analogy because there's like three top uh photography companies there's sony nikon and canon right now and you yeah. got three starter Pokemon, and all of them are like, they're decent. You know, there's there's one that everybody picks, right? There's, there's like Charmander. Charmander is the one that, you know, everybody usually picks because it's the fire type. That's, that'd be canon. I say Bulbasaur is probably Nikon. What's the what's the last starter Pokemon? I forget. It's been a while. There's Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle? and... And Squirtle, yeah. You know what? No, Squirtle's Sony for the elite, you know? Like, the people that are sophisticated enough to know that Squirtle is better than, than Charmander, right? And then you got Bulbasaur that's just like nobody ever picks Bulbasaur. And I went with Bulbasaur. I picked Nikon. So, um, I did my research. And Nikon had a really good camera for, like, the price range I was looking for. So, um, yeah. I started out with a little Nikon, and I still got it to this day. It's somewhere over there, but... Um, yeah, I'm trying to upgrade soon. Is it quality, though? Because I understand, like, cameras are expensive. Like, I just started using videos and cameras for the sake of this podcast, and I understand, like, it's not even the camera itself. The lenses are... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a misconception is that the camera body is what makes your photo, and that is sort of true, but it's mostly the lens that you have, um, and the lenses are expensive. So, yeah, for sure. But... Um, the quality did you mean like is the quality of my camera good or you just mean like oh i know it's good i mean i have one myself like which type do you have i have a d5600 d56 you said 56 mm-hmm. all right so i have a 32 so i already know you're you're light years ahead of me not really it's like i think the 3200 series is like like base level kind of like the canon rebel series and then you have like the next step up, which is the D5600 and like the Canon 80D, if you've heard of that. And then the one above that are like the full frame, like $2,000 ones, which I haven't gotten to that level yet. But yeah. So what co- what's different about the 56 than say like my 3200? Uh, just like, I think the sensor, the sensor is a little bit better. So your pictures come out a little bit sharper. Maybe the colors right. look a little bit better. Um, there's some like really technical things like there's no filter on one of them that makes the pictures look sharper. The 5600 doesn't have that sh- that that uh, filter. Um, 
and some other things like shutter speed and all that but it's not really too much of a difference like we just said the lens is what really makes it count so i'm sure i could get really similar pictures between the two bodies with you know the same lens yeah and then like when you're actually working like since you have the ability to do pretty much whatever you want in terms of content creation like i'm understanding once i had a camera that you could almost do anything from like making a commercial to yeah. making youtube to doing portraits like it feels like the world's at your fingertips almost it's yeah. what you really make of it so like what did your style eventually develop into good question um right now i'm at portraits um, what I started with was like architectural stuff. So I love straight lines, clean lines, good angles, like good crop, all that kind of stuff. And like, if you look back at my old Visco, I just have a bunch of pictures of buildings. So like whenever I go on, like I said, vacation or like take a trip to a city, I'd always like, you'd find me looking up with my phone like this, just like trying to take pictures and stuff. Um, and that was like the foundation of what... Uh, my style was it was very like I guess like architectural like urban street photography type stuff and then when I got to New York I wanted to try portraits because I had never done that before um so that's when my first portraits I took were at that meetup that I mentioned earlier and if you scroll far enough down on my Instagram you'll see those um but my very first portraits were taken there so uh I'm a portrait photographer is what I call myself right now and that's what I brand myself as on uh my website and that's what I enjoy doing right now. So I kind of just leapt from street photography to portraits just because I wanted to try it and I love it. So. Okay. So was there anything specific that led you to do portraits or just because like that's the vibe that you were getting at the meetups? Uh, I really don't remember what the sequence of events was. I don't know if I went to the meetup and I was like, dang, everybody's shooting portraits. I should be shooting portraits too. Yeah. Or if it was just like, I want to try portraits. Maybe like when I looked up the meetup and it said portrait meetup, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to go, even though I'm not a portrait photographer. Um, mm -hmm. And I ended up liking it a lot. So um, I don't think there was too much intuition with like why I'm, I decided to get into portraits. I think it was just like, I'm going to just try it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I got you. And then like getting into like the meetups and how they were like, how can you, I know you explain a lot of the photography community as being really wholesome. Could you go into any of those like relationships or those quality times that you had, like with other people sharing that love of photography? Yeah. Um, I went to this meetup in Atlanta and I've been following this dude for a while. His name is Tim, Tim Caver. He's an incredible portrait photographer, like, like next level. Um, and I looked up to his stuff and I was like, yo, I got to meet this dude. And, um, we were DMing for a little bit and he invited me to this portrait meetup. So I went to that. I met him there. He turned out to be a really good photography friend. Um, so we shared tips and stuff from time to time. I haven't talked to him in a while. I need to check, check up on him. But, <laughs> um, yeah, when I was in Atlanta before all the Miss Rona came and, you know, wrecked our lives, um, we did some stuff together. We did a couple of shoots together. Um, and then I went to his apartment. We kind of hung out and just talked about photography and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's one dude that I, I met. He's super, super dope. Like, he's one of the nicest people that you'll meet. Um, he's incredibly talented, but always, you know, uses his platform to lift up other people. So 
Um, yeah. Yeah, he's super fire. And that I think that's just one example of just the entire photography community. Mm-hmm. So if you had three words to describe the photography community, what would you say? Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe one would be positive is a good one, which can be a good or bad thing. Uh, wholesome. I already said that. And then is welcoming. I think those are good ones. Positive, wholesome, and welcoming, at least from my view. Um, it can be other things for other people with bigger audiences. You have trolls on the internet, but at least for me and my experience, it's been those three things. Positive, wholesome, and welcoming. So, And you say positive it can be a good or bad thing. So, like, when you yeah. say that, I was thinking, like, somebody is too positive, they might, like, give a bad shot, and somebody might be like, yeah, that's good, and they might know it's bad in their head and just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's the issue. And I feel like there are a lot of people that are like, you know, put the fire emojis down or like fire shot, bro, whatever. But there's not a lot of room for constructive criticism, at least in Instagram comments, like nobody's going to really be doing that. So I think in order to get that and to really grow, you have to build relationships outside of just like, well, I'm going to just drop a couple comments on these people's photos a few times a day kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. You you hit the nail on the head when I said positive can be a good or a bad thing. That's exactly what I was thinking. So is there like a another community or online community like or forums where photographers can come and chat and like give constructive criticism about their work or anything like that? Maybe I don't know of any. I'm sure Reddit does that. Reddit's the, you know the internet place for everything, so I'm sure there's some kind of like subreddit for that. Um, but not that I know of. Yeah, hey, shout out Reddit first off. I know they don't need any shout outs whatsoever. <laughs> if you need help finding anybody, like especially when it came to like this podcast, learned everything through Reddit. There you go. Asked a whole bunch of questions like people I met through Reddit, and that was really yeah. the only way. But uh, for my next question, I just want to go on how photography has become such a big thing in our society and like just our social lives from maybe the rise of smartphones and giving uh, phones better picture quality so that even now the average like the regular dude can go take a picture you know edit it a little bit on their phone and come out with like a spectacular picture right and that raises the bar for like people that are aspiring to get good at their craft and be professional photographers sure. like you exactly so nowadays where is that bar that defines whether you're like an amateur photographer or a professional photographer yeah that's an excellent question um there's a lot of talk about this on the internet community um and the photography community um but the way that i see it is and a lot of people have the same sentiment the photographer is a photographer and the gear is the gear. So like your gear does not make you a better photographer. You as, you know, a photographer, your skill will come out no matter what gear you're using, if that makes sense. Um, so I had developed an eye for photography and for the way that I would style my photos before I ever bought a camera. And I think that really helped me kind of like frame how I look at pictures before I ever picked up a camera and worried about like getting better picture quality or whatever. Um, as for the bar, 
Um, I think it's a lot of it is subjective. There are a lot of like rules in photography, right? Like, you know, framing things a certain way, like how to crop a photo right, like rule of thirds, how to properly expose a photo, all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff you can learn through YouTube. I think what really sets people apart in the photography community is doing what they think looks good. Um, for example, there are a lot of photographers like Tim. There's another dude named Shani. Uh, he's the one that hosted the meetup that me and Tim met at. Um, there are a lot of other Instagram photographers that uh, are really standing out from the community because they're doing something different. They're not really following all the trends that everybody else is doing. Um, so I, I say it's hard to define a bar that's kind of like once you you know hit this level, you're a good photographer. I think photography, like any other art, is subjective, which is cool. That that's cool, a like, cool thing about it. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say for for me, people that I respect are people that have stepped outside of the boundaries of what is accepted or what's normal. Um, so I I don't know if that answers the question, but. Yeah, I mean, that's good enough. I see what you mean. Like, from what I understand, like, learning about different art and stuff, like, back in the day, painters, how they had, there's a French, basically, governing body that decided, like, which art should go in museums or be posted and be sold in, like, how you were qualified as a professional artist. Yeah. And at the time, a lot of things had to remain rigid and conform to what they thought was good art right and then i remember there's people like monet and pizarro and uh i can't even think of the name right now but there's plenty of like abstract artists that make make paintings that are like famous today that Mm -hmm. back then they got denied like i know monet definitely got denied like two or three times before if not all of them before his paintings were, you know, recognized around the world. So it's really about being serious about, like, that craft or that style that you develop and just going out and building recognition for it on your own. Right. So I definitely see what you mean. So with that in mind, what are five things that you put into your style that people can look at it and be like, all right, that's shot by Nehemiah? Yeah, okay. Um, I like these questions. Thank you for these dope questions. Um, five things. That's a lot. I can't even think of one only because my style, I I feel like I don't have my own type of style yet. I've been trying to figure it out for the longest time and I haven't been shooting enough to develop a style. I feel like a lot of my editing has evolved over time, but it hasn't really like hit a point yet. Um, but five things. Um, or two or three. Two or three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Two or three. Um, I kind of follow conventional standards with like how you shoot a portrait. So like, like making sure they're framed in the center and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess you could say like composition, like how I compose a photo and how I place my subject within the frame. Um, as for like the style of it, I prefer either like upper body portraits or like kind of close in portraits. Um, I like low angle shots. 
It makes your subject look important in the photo. Um, and then I like bright and contrasting colors. So I think that really distinguishes me from like maybe another photographer. Um, although there are a lot of photographers that have that style, I think if you saw like those three things, like, you know, a cleanly comp composed photo, um, like a low angle or like interesting angle, and then, you know, bright and popping colors, that kind of des describes my, uh, my style, at least for now. I got you. And you also said like, beyond just photography, you also do filming too. I also like low key, <laughs> low key, really low key. <laughs> Uh, barely. Hey, don't lie. I know you have a YouTube channel. And I've seen the video. Hey, bro, we talk about we talk about the Minecraft YouTube channel or the <laughs> the other one. I got two. I saw the Minecraft ones. I remember seeing those back in Challenge. Yes, sir. That was me in high school or like middle school. What was it like early high school? I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are hilarious. I love showing those to people because I love people like laughing with me at my old self. It's hilarious. Hey. Well, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, video. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't like video as much as photos, and I only do video because it makes money. That's it. No, nah, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of it. But, um, yeah, like if people reach out and they're like, can you do a music video for me or can you edit this video? I'm not going to say no because, you know, that's money, you know, and it's experience. And I, I enjoy it somewhat. It's not, you know, dreadful or anything, but. I much prefer shooting photos over doing video. And that might just be because I haven't done enough video yet. Um, but yeah, in general, I've been trying to get into music videos. I bought some gear. I shot a music video a couple months ago, edited that, that's finished. Um, that was actually a lot of fun, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I do for video. It's not really interesting. I kind of just, you know, people reach out um, for like music videos or whatever else. I'll usually say yes and get that done, so. Yeah. So, like, I even got into using videos since I was trying to, like, get this going and started using Premiere. There's a lot of moving parts to it, but it's yeah. relatively simple. I'll say that. You watch a couple... Everything that you need to learn, you could learn through YouTube. Right. But... University. Yeah, exactly. Shout out episode two, Loki. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember you said that too. But, um, it's just about creating your own style. That's where I come to because I watch a lot of people that vlog or they heavily edit vlogs or they heavily edit, edit their like animated videos or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they even use like After Effects or what. To do all those crazy transitions like between clips and everything? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's After Effects. Like if you have like a mask you know what a mask is no so it's basically like if you take one part of a clip and you kind of like swipe it over and like it kind of opens up to a new clip i don't know if that makes any okay. sense that makes any sense yeah you have to like mask as in like select a part of the video and like cut it out so that like you can overlay it on top of another video yeah so you're saying like it's overlapping and then you kind of uh adjust the opacity so that it comes in as the other one's going out yeah pretty much pretty much um kind of it, it's hard to explain with words if you look it up it'll make a lot more sense but it's like kind of like cutting out a portion of a photo or a video um yeah. in order to like either put it somewhere else or move it around or whatever so um yeah that's what all those crazy transitions are but i haven't gotten into that i haven't done any of that nor do i have too yeah, much I'm of a desire right now like word and uh 
like different texts. Yeah. And, like pulling up images, maybe a little. I mean, for a podcast, I don't really see many different transitions going into it, but definitely like having pop ups and using different effects and to make it a little bit more lively. Yeah. Once the video yeah. comes out, I spoiled the surprise, but video coming soon. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Look out for it. You can see my ugly face. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so my next question about like your brand and everything is, well, in the next like five to ten years, where do you see Shot by Nehemiah being at? Yes, sir. Okay. So I actually just wrote out a plan, a five-year plan um, for just my career in general, not just Shot by Nehemiah, but mm-hmm. um, my goal, I'm going to take you through the whole thing. So right now, I'm working for Google. Um, I have an internship, and I plan to have another one by next year. I want to work for them full time, or just for like a like you know technology company. Um, and during that time, I want to build up my business, my photography, my creative business, whatever that is. Um, and by the time I'm thirty, I want to have a million bucks in the bank from working at you know whatever company. We'll get into investments and stuff. I'm gonna talk about that too, but. Uh, a million bucks in the bank by the time I'm 30 by just investing my money for my nine to five. And then if I want to drop the nine to five, like by the time I'm 30, trying to have kids and everything, I'll take my business that I built up to that point and really grow that and kind of focus on that. Um, so as for Shot by Nehemiah right now, I don't see it going anywhere else, you know, until that point. Um, but I do eventually want to start a clothing brand. Um which I kind of got into a little bit with Avery. Um, but uh, yeah, for Shot by Nehemiah, it'll probably say that. It'll probably say photography. And then by the time mm-hmm. I'm 30, I want to have maybe a clothing brand kind of in the works and all that kind of stuff to really focus on that. So. I got you. So going to what you did with Avery, because I'm sure a lot of people didn't know. Yeah, so Avery is a student at Tech, at Georgia Tech, with me and Mario. And she started this campaign called You Are More. And she makes clothing for mental health awareness. And she donates, uh, I don't know if it's all the profits for every item, but she donates most of the profits to mental health organizations. And with all this stuff with Black Lives Matter and stuff happening recently, um, she reached out to me to see if I could do a design for her brand um, and have all of the proceeds donated to uh, a Black Lives Matter organization. So I made a design for that. I didn't mention this earlier, but I do graphic design too. Um, I kind of have my feet in a bunch of different, like, creative pools, trying to figure out which pool I want to jump into for a while. But they can all mesh together. Exactly. That's true. But I want to, like, specialize in something. I want to get good at something so that I can brand myself as such. Um, that's some, a business tip that I've learned from, like, looking at stuff online is it's better to paint yourself as an expert in one field than a jack of all trades and master of none, if that makes any sense. Um so right now I'm a portrait photographer. I'm a professional portrait photographer. So like if you have to choose between me, a professional portrait photographer, and someone else that's a wedding dog food photographer, you're probably going to choose me, the professional por- portrait photographer, if you want portraits done. Um, I say all that to say that I want to have all of these different trades that I do, but I want to market myself as one thing so that people see me as a professional in that field. Um, so I'm trying to figure out which thing I like the most so that I can, you know, kind of go all into it. And right now that's portraits, but, um, you know, I'm kind of getting into graphic design and stuff. But back to the Avery thing, uh, I made a design for her You Are More campaign. And that shirt is selling. Actually, it is off the internet, I think, now. 
as of today. What's today? The fifth. Yeah, yeah. No, today's the fifth. So I think today is the last day that it's on sale or it's either off sale. So that went really well. People love the shirts. I designed the shirt and then she shipped them out and printed them and everything. So shout out to Avery. She's super dope. She was incredible to work with, super easy to work with, and she's incredibly hardworking and she's doing some great work. So check out her You Are More campaign. Uh, my shirt will be gone by the time y'all hear this, but she has other shirts on there that are just as cool that are designed by other uh, talented artists. So check that out. Definitely, definitely. And I love that. It's like you talk about focusing on a single thing because lately that's where my mind has been on mostly like growth and scaling but like starting with a whole bunch of ideas and trying to do them all at once is not the way to go you'll bring yourself out so easily and then you'll just you'll eventually give up i mean not to say it to be like demeaning but you will just lose the interest in doing all of them at once but it's all about focusing and growing as becoming a master in something and growing that before you move on to the next idea because they are all possible they just have to be developed like you don't tell a baby you know you're going to be a track star (laughs) and expect him to go to the olympics like he goes grows up start has the the passion for running Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then he'll push himself right but you have to if you ju- you're just interested in it and then do the work and then you realize that you don't like it i feel like it doesn't go very far i mean except in other like excruciating situations right yeah like right. andre agassi and his dad say that again like andre agassi yeah for sure yeah i i i agree with that like i know i agree with it because i just said it but like <laughs> yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head, but... Um, oh, yeah, so, like, you're from Delaware. Yup, I'm in Delaware right now, yes, sir. I'm not proud of it, but, you know, I try to act like it. <laughs> Be proud. <laughs> hey, hey, Delaware has, like, three cities, and I've been through it once. I was there for, like, 25 minutes on a road trip, and I was surprised that we made it out there in, like, 30 minutes. I was like, well, I thought we was in Delaware. Nah, if you drive through the entire state, it's, like, two hours. Delaware got hitters. But if you... (laughs) If you go through... If you go through, like, Maryland and, like, clip the top, it's, like, 25 minutes. But if you come from, like, the south and go straight through the entire state, which I don't know why you would, it's, like, two hours. So it's it's decent if you go the right way. But, I mean, if you go horizontally, you're in and out. (laughs) So... What would you to somebody that's never like stayed or been there before, and the people that, I mean, you would probably say, why would you want to come to Delaware? But people that want to like travel around and like maybe find out a little bit more about Delaware. Yeah. What would you yeah. say about it? Um, there's nothing here except for a mall, and there's no sales tax. So if you want to shop, come to Delaware. Otherwise, keep it moving. Um. <laughs> Nah, if, if it's a great place to raise kids because there, there's no tax, right? There's no sales tax. There's property tax and everything, of course, but that's way less than somewhere like like Georgia or like New York or wherever else, right? It's incredibly cheap. Um, it's 45 minutes out of Philly. It's like 15 minutes if you're on the right part of Delaware from like Maryland, hour and 30 from Baltimore, a um, couple of hours from the beach. I'm at the beach right now with my parents. Like everything is is close. Um, and driving distance. So 
if you're trying to raise a family, if you're like 35 or something, it's a great place to be um, financially. But other than that, if you're trying to like build a career or whatever, you know, make your your mark in the music industry or, you know, some other kind of art or like whatever else, it's probably not the best place to be, which is why I left and came to Georgia to Atlanta for school. But um, yeah, I feel like yeah. it's one of those places you dip off the grid. Pretty much. Yeah. Is it like a- Russia had? Go ahead. I was saying if Russia had Edward Snowden, like their own Edward Snowden, and he came to America, he would go to Delaware. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's it's a it's a hidden gem. That's what I'm going to call it. It's a, that's what my dad said. It's a hidden gem. Um, we were actually just talking about this yesterday. So, I mean, if, you, if you're trying to raise a family, like I said, you know, you want to settle down. It's a dope place to be. I mean, it's really no different from somewhere like Marietta, Georgia. Like, the suburbs of Delaware are, like, very comparable to to Marietta, Georgia. Except, like, you're not 30 minutes away from Atlanta. Like, you're 30 minutes away from Wilmington, which is, like, <laughs> not even worth calling a city. But, you know, you know, it's fine. Hey, you got to rep the hometown with pride. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> It brings me to my question about, like, since it's, like, a small place, uh, I wouldn't consider it, like, rural, but... There are rural more, parts, but... Yeah. More separated from, like, the rest of what people would consider USA. Yeah. Like Atlanta or Chicago, where everything's popping at. How... What are your experiences with trying to grow your passion of, like, film and photography over there? I have not struggled with that because I live in Atlanta most of the year, which is nice. When I'm back here though, I know people like in my church and everything. So like if I, if they need work done, they'll kind of just contact me. So I have that connection base. And I, I grew up here. So there are a lot of people that know me. Um, so like I've already kind of built up the skill set outside of Delaware. So bringing that back to Delaware has been really beneficial because people have been able to see my work and like, oh, when are you back in Delaware? I need so and so done. Or like, I got to, I wish somebody would have a wedding. Like, that pays a lot. <laughs> it's like 2K That's all a day. Saying, but um, yeah, I I don't know what I would say to someone who, you know, is in somewhere like Delaware and can't really get anywhere else because I haven't really built up my business in Delaware. It's been mostly, a, you know, an Atlanta thing while I was at school and in New York. Like I've been in these major cities kind of building my skills. I feel that. I know, like, where I live, like, even though you would consider myself in metro Atlanta, I live, like, maybe, like, 45 minutes away. And it's in, like, you would never tell, so it's in, like, the sticks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I'm privileged enough to be able to, like, ha- leverage technology and the internet so that I can communicate with whoever I need to sure. to sure. be able to create this podcast. But I also... Since my second year and like coming back here from coronavirus and everything, hopefully I don't get censored for using that word. Like I know it's taboo now. <laughs> what? Why did you get censored? <laughs> yeah, because I've heard people like call it just the virus alone. Oh really? Just oh, really? the yes. I'm gonna YouTube, say Miss Rona. They, they're never gonna decipher that. On like, what is this man talking it'll, about? Censor it. And I was like, yo, like sensitive really? content. Press the little eyeball to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um. Coming back here, I definitely realized, like, even with just my degree and working on creative projects that I do have, I feel less, less congested 
being here than in the city. Like I could walk out oh, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. like be more self aware of like where my mind's at this mm-hmm. time than For sure. in the city. And I love city life, but there comes a time where like I realize like yo, I'm just moving. Exactly. Yes, sir. Yeah. Think about it. And it's a cool experience, I will say. So people that live in rural areas, you have that power of just being like to think about everything you do before you do it. Yeah. Like, like yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. You can use it if you want. You don't have to use it. Mm. But it's once you become an old man in a young body like me, you <laughs> <laughs> you'll take it. No, yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Like, living in Delaware and growing up in Delaware, I didn't realize how slow it was and how, like, closed-minded people were and how they didn't really, like, aspire to leave and do, like, crazy things with their lives, which, like, is fine. But, like, for me, leaving Georgia, leaving Georgia, leaving Delaware and coming to Georgia for Challenge the first time, like, my mind was, like, incredibly expanded for, like, the possibilities of a lot of things going to google and living in new york on my own for a summer that was crazy like being able to live in these different spots has definitely been a blessing and i feel like i have a lot of ambition that i wouldn't have gotten unless i left but i agree with you that if you're in that lifestyle for too long it's just kind of like the next thing then the next thing then the next thing you never really take time to just sit with yourself and just like be very introspective and just you know think about where you're going in life think about like you know what your goals are all that kind of stuff and I realized that, especially being at tech, you know how it is. Just like, it's crazy. All this stuff that we have to deal with academically and just feels like we never get a break. And coming back home because of Rona and everything, like, my mind had a time to just, like, relax. And I had to just, I had time to, like, start reading my Bible again, get closer to Jesus, all that kind of stuff. So, like, I was able to, like, find who I was before jumping back into the, into the water, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Like even today. So funny story, but it's it's weird. But uh, I was sitting here because I was watching the F one race. F one came back on for the first time in months. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I saw a spider crawling up on the wall. And I'm like, okay, it's this daddy long legs because we have a lot of spiders <laughs> in the basement. And it crawled up, and I let it like make a web in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. So I waited and finished the race got up to go make something to eat was about to go kill the spider and then you know how like some people are scared of spiders i will i'm not afraid to say like sometimes i'm not a goon but i will i will kill a spider like wasps they can come at me and i will kill them but if they're coming at me with their homies i I don't know what to do you just run run. i took one good jab at the spider he ain't die yet. He just fell down and started hanging down. And <laughs> I stepped back. I jumped back. And then I came again, slapped on, on the wall like three times. And then I sat there and thought about it because he just laid on the trash can like yeah. dead. And I was yeah. like, yo, have I ever thought? Like, it came to me as this is how racism works. Like, not all the way, but the principle that there's somebody that you really don't know much about or what their intentions are, but you're scared. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like you're scared, like you're going to leave them alone. It's one of the scares, like you just, you just react. Right. Like if fight or fight, you fight. And then it's like, what was I scared for it? 
Facts. He wasn't even doing nothing. He was really just chilling in the corner. Minding his own This business. man is, is a philosopher. That's crazy. That's a really good example. Because, like, with the spider, like, it's not even a rational fear. It's like, this thing is, like, this big compared to me. I'm yeah. this big. Like, why am I afraid of this little thing that, like, it's not even a black widow. It can't even really hurt me. So, like, why am I fearful of it? Is it because, it, like, society has told us to be afraid of spiders? So we're afraid of spiders? Or, hmm, something to think about. It's fruit for thought. I might make that the question this week. Do it. Do it. Start engaging it. with everybody. But speaking of big world problems, I want to go into, like, photography and social media as, like, They've kind of risen hand in hand with each other. Yeah. And how it's become like a norm to take pictures or like vlog in the streets now. Like I know, especially in New York, I know you've seen it in New York too, because living out there, people are definitely taking vlogs and selfies. Like average people is not like they're the biggest YouTuber. They're just out there on live walking through 14th Street. Right. Right. Yeah. So what is your thoughts on that? And like, I know it's a great thing for you guys and self-expression mm-hmm. as well. But do you think there's any like psychological effects to how they've kind of come up together and how there's like a need or maybe I'm not wording this right. But... I'm kind of following like you're just asking like what the implications are of sharing this media on social media with just like all the racial yeah. justice happening. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. I feel like I'm on both sides of things. It's like, are we talking about the should you share the videos of people dying or should you not of black people dying? Is yeah. that what you're asking? Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think it's important for people that don't deal with this every day to see. Um, but I think it becomes dangerous for people like us where we see, you know, black bodies being killed over and over on the internet. Um, I'm not sure like what the psychological effects of that are, but I personally have become desensitized to it Um, in a way like at first, like my heart was just like, you know, very like wrenched for these people are being killed by the police. Like my heart hurt and it still hurts, but I think it hurts in a different way. It's kind of more like cold and just kind of numb to it at this point. And I'm not even surprised when I, you know, hear about another black person being killed. Um, so, like, for black people, you know, I'm... People have been saying, like, it's traumatizing to keep seeing these people, you know, being killed over and over that look like us, which I agree with. But I think it's equally important for people that don't deal with this every day to see it. So I think it's a double-edged sword. I'm going to just say that. I'm going to leave it at that. It's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. It can either be helpful for people that need to see it, or it can really hurt, you know, people that, you know, look like the people that are being killed every day. So, and I, I know a lot of people have like issues and will like actively get into disputes online about it or on like a certain post about like posting this all the time. In my head, like, I'm considered both sides. You have to be aware of these situations. Like, some people need to be aware. And then some people are actively asking, like, look at this for the justice that we deserve. Like, we're supposed to treat everyone as our brother and sister and Mm -hmm. figuratively and just, like, love and show the same respect for somebody that you would for you. 
I feel like social media has become such a pivotal part, quote unquote, of our society. I don't want to seem insensitive, but like a lot of times these things go on. And I'm just like, why don't you just like like this is somebody you don't know. I know you're trying to prove an argument, but they're obviously not being rational enough to see your side of the story. Oh, like, yeah. You just oh, put yeah. it off. Like, I don't spend my time on those people. I don't spend my time on those people. Like, if someone comes to me and genuinely wants to learn about the black experience, I'm cool. Like, I would love to talk to them, yeah. right? Um, but if someone comes to me just, like, trying to argue with me or to prove me wrong, like, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm not going to go back and forth with you. I'm not the type of person that, like, needs to argue and prove my point to someone if they're not willing to listen. Like, I'm good. I'm straight. Like, I mean, you can go somewhere with all that stuff. I'm I'm good. Yeah. To me, I just think, like, social media is the poison in our lives. Like, we talk about toxic relationships in, in terms of our friendships, in terms of our intimate partners, but... It's social media man oh yeah it's social oh, yeah. media like i've been seeing yes, i've been like reading up on it a little bit more and watching podcasts mm-hmm. i can't even say i'm more jealous of the people that don't have it but older people that are not in tune with it yeah. are just yeah. like they're blessed in a way yeah it yeah. has a lot of power but the way i feel like it's used now is not healthy and we've become so obsessed with like a mindset of having the quantity of like who knows you who follows you who likes you yeah over like the quality of just having pictures that show who you are yeah because i I know that's what instagram was really defined by Mm -hmm. but now it's become a almost like a, a narcissism forum to be like who can outflex everybody exactly i can see myself doing that in some cases because i definitely checked myself and looked at my instagram was like okay was i looking for likes here was i looking for likes here? yeah i mean I, you definitely see yourself after you post in those first two hours you like yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, check yeah, in yeah. <laughs> and then you, every time you, you get a notification it's like what popped up that little side story talking about get me to 300 <laughs> 400 eye emoji like right yeah exactly no bro in all seriousness i finally got the 500 plus on linkedin you know i've been talking about that for a while and i finally hit it I finally hit it. So that's the only number I care about. But no, I'm just joking. I I care. I have the same social media issues as everybody else. Um, It's especially a big issue in the photography community, I think. Like a lot of people are concerned about likes. And, you know, like if this photo that I post got more likes than this photo that I posted, this one is better because it got more likes. Like it's so weird. It's allowing other people to create your perception of your own art, if that makes sense. And I feel like, at least for me, in my experience, I've let people do that. Um, And I've been trying to, in like the past couple of months, make sure that whatever I create is what I want to create. And not really worrying about, yeah, I'll frame it this way. Like I, in my life, I want to make sure that I'm making a positive impact on people, no matter what I do. Uh, I said a little bit about Jesus earlier, but I'm a Christian. And I believe in Jesus, I have a relationship with Jesus, and I want to spread the love of Christ to other people, right? Through whatever I do. Um, So on Instagram, it's really easy to get caught up in all of like the numbers. 
and like, you know, trying to reach, you know, as many people as possible, right? Without really worrying about the people that are already in my circle, the people that already, you know, mess with my work. Um, and I've kind of been developing the mindset of not really worrying about all these numbers and, you know, getting a bunch of followers and all these likes and really focusing on like what impact I'm making on the people that I already am able to reach, if that makes sense. Um, and that's helped my mindset a lot. Um, but you know, that's, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with just in general on social media, whether like you're a professional or just like, you know, a regular person, just like posting pictures of yourself. Um, I'd be interested to like hear more about like what you learned in your research and stuff about like the psychology and stuff. Like how does that affect a person? Like having numbers associated with your person, if that makes sense. It's almost like I haven't seen anything. It's just from what I see and as I read more and more about uh, just like social media's effects on our lives, it's why do we i'm trying to get why we correlate how many people that like is that don't have any input in our yeah. lives or yeah. won't necessarily always have a conversation with us in our mind will show us how we qualify to ourselves like if we're mm. worth it or if we're yeah. not and i mean we, we assume, assume like, like whether, whether it's clothes or traveling or, traveling or just flexing or having a nice house or something we kind of do these things like we'll make some poor financial decisions for the sake of getting some likes yeah. likes that yeah. they don't mean anything right they just give you that that satisfaction of like oh someone like this like yeah it's not weird though that you get that satisfaction from getting a like but you don't get that satisfaction for giving a like like, if I yeah. tap something on my screen, it's like for a couple of seconds and I'm gone. I forgot about it. But why does it matter so much when the, the, the perspective is flipped and we're receiving the likes? I wonder. Sorry. Hey, don't get me wrong. When, you're, when your crush likes your photo and she <laughs> likes three in a row and you see it. That's how me and Amaya started talking. That's how me and Amaya started talking. I was on profile. I was scrolling. I, I tapped it a little bit. Nah, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm completely capping, bro. I'm, I'm all capped. I I met her because I had to go pee, and she was in the hallway, and that's how we met. <laughs> that's you and Amaya? Yeah, that's how I met Amaya. <laughs> I had to go use the bathroom, and she was in the hallway in a group of friends, and I was like, hello. <laughs> and then that was it, and we started talking from there. But that's that's a different subject for another time. Hey, bro. What's up? Let's talk about investments. But before we change the subject, what, what were you about to say? Oh, no, you're good. I can't remember. Oh, my fault. <laughs> investments, though, because I know you, you're business savvy. That's the whole point of this podcast. So let's talk about it's investments. It's not much about business. It's more about just because I don't want to make it solely for people that want to put on a suit and tie and sure. work for an investment. For That's not what I think when I think business. I think just like, yeah. you know, professional type stuff. Career. Yeah, hold, hold, hold your craft in a professional manner and try to... Help as many people as you can with it. Whether you, you like racing cars or whether you like, you know, playing tennis. It's about yeah. the positive impact and, like, your strive and what you're trying to inspire people to do. That That's what I think, like, going into a business should be ideally. Of course, you want to make yourself financially well off. Sure. But sure. there has to be some type of end goal because money is not the end goal. Exactly. That's my one key thing. 
it's a tool and it can do a lot for you, but it's never going to give you all the fulfillment that you need yes, sir. Or want yes, sir. in life. Yeah, exactly. What? Exactly. No, I completely agree. We could have like a whole another hour conversation about that, but I will not digress. Um yeah, um what, what was I gonna say along the lines of We're talking about investments. Yeah, but I wanted to say yeah. something else before that. I'll probably remember later, but let's talk about investments. So, yes. so um, Fire Week this week, Tesla hit the hundred thousand mark. Or what is it? No, nah, it was just a thousand. Yeah. Tesla hit the hundred the thousand mark. They're at twelve hundred right now. That's just, crazy. My That's fifteen crazy. year old self is kicking me in the nuts right now. <laughs> I saw Tesla prices at two hundred and you know what I did? Bro, I you bought Sony. I I bought Sony. Oh and my you know god. I sold Sony at like twenty dollars and now it's eighty so yes exactly now that's the thing about the stock market i this isn't forex let me just say that this is not forex this ain't some get rich quick scheme investments are long-term long-term wealth building that's what it is and if you put your money in stocks you gotta wait years to see to see any fruits of it but if you're trying to build wealth investments in stocks are a great way to do that because the stock market if you look at the graph is always going up like, not, like, for the day, but, like, if you look at it over the span of, say, 10 years, the trend is always upward. You can count on that. So, if you put your money in, like, say you put 100 bucks in now. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure what the actual cost would be or the, the price would be, like, in five years. But you can be 100% confident, as long as there's not, like, a Great Depression, that your money will make money, you know, in five years. Um so, yeah, there are people like day traders that pay attention to, you know, the stocks every single day and, you know, buy and sell every single day. I'm the type of person that like is I'm, I, I started my portfolio like two or three weeks ago, but my goal is long term. So I put money in there and I just let it sit in things that are reliable, like, you know, the top companies like the S&P 500 or like stuff like, you know, tech companies or whatever that I know is going to trend upward for the next, you know, 20, 30 years or so. Um, so that's my strategy. What type of an investor are you? Uh, so at the time, I have long term, so I diversified mine. So I have some long term investments in mine. I have some more like more speculative trades based on like data that I've gotten. So a lot of my longer term ones are like ETFs, mm-hmm. ones, yeah, stuff like that. But since I'm young relatively like i'm not as young as some of them they're like 18 on youtube making a hundred thousand a day <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, yeah i'm not jealous but i'll be like them one day <laughs> uh, i have some i have like more mutual funds just to keep it safe because there is oh, of course quite a bit of money in my opinion that's in there um some more middle range so just like stocks that i'm thinking might go up in a week or two mm-hmm. due to like news that i've been hearing and then I have options. So that's my new thing that I've been getting into. Or it's not a new thing to me. It's just something that I wanted to focus a lot more on. Yeah, what's the difference? Because I I heard Ramsey was telling me a little bit about options. So options are a contract to buy a certain amount of stock. So they're usually in a single option is worth a single option contract is worth 100 stocks. Hmm. But it's a... I wouldn't say it's not a bet, but a contract saying that you believe this stock will be about a certain price called the strike price in a certain number of time. It's usually like some stocks, 
they'll be within a week. Some might be within two days. Some might be within months. But you usually have a timeline and a specific date. So they usually end on a Friday mm-hmm. that you can wait till your stock expires for. It's almost like working with insurance and a premium. Okay. So let's say your stock costs, let's say a stock costs like $20 and you think it's going to go up in two weeks. So you set a, you buy a call option, which is an option saying that I believe it's going to go up mm-hmm. for $25. If the stock price goes up, it will, if it goes up and it goes beyond your price. So let's say by two weeks from now, two weeks Friday, it's twenty six dollars. Mm-hmm. You will have the rights to buy that contract at twenty five dollars. So let's say it's like twenty seven fifty. You just bought a hundred stocks for twenty five dollars. So automatically you're in the profit. Right. Yeah. But let's yeah. say okay. it doesn't reach there by then. You will have to buy, and Friday comes, you will buy that same stock, a hundred shares of it for. $25 and let's say it's like $22. So then you're already in the red. In, gotcha. in cases like those, like where you think the stock market is going down, you can buy puts and puts are the same thing, but just in the opposite way. So if it goes below that, that mark that you yeah. set, that sounds like more of a gamble to me than like buying stocks, like straight up. There's strategies to it. You said there's strategies. Yeah. So there's strategies to it. It's definitely a it's a game that you want to have more upfront costs with or you want to put a bigger initial investment because it's much more volatile. And actually, options prices do influence stock prices. They're, that's what drives them based on how uh, people are feeling about it and how where they think it's going. Generally, a lot of people put options and there's high it's high volume, high volatility. And if there's ways to speculate and use data about it, and that's what I was learning. I had a mentor that was teaching me about it, and we just never finished our lessons. I think I went back to school, but I'm trying to focus more on it now so that I can make like ten grand in a week. Actually, <laughs> my first options Dang. trade, my first options trade, it was Microsoft mm-hmm. in January. January. So right before everything happened had microsoft i said you know it's gonna be like 190 it was probably sitting around like 175 that week before and this was in march yes so the thing about options it doesn't necessarily have to get to that price for you to see profit okay, okay. so you will pay a fraction of the amount so let's say i bought so yeah in this situation i bought it for a 190 call for microsoft it cost me around 89 cents per share, which is times 100, it was $89. So put that in. The stock, the actual price of the option can fluctuate based on like how many people are buying it. Sure. So when, yeah. Sure. Yeah. when it's bullish and it's increasing and a lot more people are buying it, it will rise. It might even rise higher than it might uh, actually be worth. So mm-hmm. within that week, maybe Wednesday, I looked at my account and i was up 300 percent, which is not what? it's something you see it's something 300 percent, bro yes that's the thing You're about cheating. options options are crazy so like it to somebody that trades options often it might not be crazy sure but, yeah 
That seems to like me, more of like an instant game. Like if you're trying to do more of like a day trade and get money instantly or like quicker than yeah. stocks and you're not in it for the long term, that seems like a better option. It's a, it's a more speculative option. You have to absolutely know what you're doing. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, I follow this Reddit called Wall Street Bets. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they put it in the news a lot these days, but like especially now. People will put like their life savings, their college loans on stocks, like on no. options. Go up so much. Like I remember when I started, some dude made like two or one or two million. That sounds too risky. Option. That's it, not for me. It's it's absolutely nuts. That's and not. You could that's lose not it all. You could lose it all. So like back to my situation. I go, I wake up, look at my account, three hundred percent up. I go to under the couch because I'm in the middle of classes. I'm getting lunch. 500%. Whoa. My $89 investment was now like $500 up. I would have just pulled it out. I, I would have like, been done. I would have been like, all right, I'm good. So on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, I got the Travis Scott Jordans that that week before. So yeah. I was like, yo, I might just have to make a YouTube like style. <laughs> off of one. Just, off I'm going to start doing coaching programs. Like, I think I did it. <laughs> that that after a class i think it was a thursday you so sound the like them forex dudes on instagram bro <laughs> so the, so from from that time i think it was like a wednesday or thursday from that time to after my class the price of it so i had a 190 strike price it was maybe like 185 or something but it's thursday and my option expires on friday once people realize that okay, it's not going to hit 190, it starts going down. Yeah. And when it goes yeah. down, it goes fast. <laughs> so, long story short, I virtually lost everything. Dang! Wait, so you lost your initial investment too? Yeah, I lost 89. I lost 89 dollars. Dang! See, that's what sick. that's what I'm trying to avoid. That's just like if you're a day trader and you're like, should I buy? Should I sell right now? I'm just worried about like buying on the on the low. So like when it's down, I get it on sale so that like in say a year, I made a profit. So like it sounds like we're doing the same thing except I'm in it for the long run. And mine's yeah. more stable. Like it's guaranteed to make money off of it over the span of several years. Which is like when I mentioned earlier I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30, that will happen if I'm investing, you know, the money that I get from say like a a UI UX mm-hmm. shop. Um, yeah. but it's like, I'm not doing software engineering anymore. I'm doing UI UX. That's my career path. Um, uh, but designing, yeah. So designing for yeah, interface. user interface, user experience design, or engineering. I'm not sure yet. I, I'm thinking design because I enjoy graphic design and stuff a little more. But um, I haven't decided yet. That's a whole different conversation. But here's a wealth tip for anybody listening. Oh, read this book, The Millionaire Next Door. I think I told you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading it right now, and it was a book written in like 1990 something, but it's still relevant today. And although the numbers are skewed, obviously because of inflation and stuff, the principles and stuff are still very much relevant. And they basically break down like the lifestyles and stuff of actual wealthy people, and not you know people that like drive Bentleys and like got mansions and stuff. Um, their whole argument in the entire book is basically there's a difference between having a high income and being wealthy. And having a high income is like, I make 600K a year, right? But being wealthy is, I got like 2 million in the bank at 30. I have like, I have three houses that I'm investing in. I got a couple properties that I'm renting out to people. 
Like, it's the sum of all of your assets, right? Um, and just because you have a high income does not mean you're wealthy. It doesn't mean that you have, um, after, like, all of the, the, your, what's the word for it? Like, all the stuff you have to pay for bills and everything else. Like, what's left after that? Um, so you can live paycheck to paycheck on, like, a $600,000 income, which I thought was interesting. Like, people that live wealthily, I think, is, not wealthily, but, like, you know, like, celebrities or whatever, right? Like, they could be living paycheck to paycheck and still driving a Bentley, right? Um, that's not what I want to be. I want to have wealth in the bank. I want to have, like, financial security. And in order to do that, instead of living, like, at the height of my paycheck, I'm going to live below my means and invest what's extra. So say I'm making, like, 100K a year. Instead of living like I got 100K, I'm going to live like I got 75K or something. That's just a an example. That's not my plan necessarily, but... You know, like taking that 25K and investing it and everything else and letting it grow over the span of 10 years, million bucks. Easy. I'm telling you, that brings me to my big PSA for today, because I've, I've been seeing it this entire summer. Like it finally came to me and I realized it. And I was just like, no, nah, the people need to hear this <laughs> just because you saw him driving a Bentley doesn't mean he has racks in his pocket. Beat that. Say it again. And if you don't know what I'm saying, I'm saying that, okay, so some people are affluent and they can afford these things, but just because they have a certain salary or they're making 500K a year, it's how you spend your money, not how you make your money. And you have to spend, or you have to make more money than you spend if you're actually trying to build wealth. If you're just living paycheck to paycheck and you're blowing your entire check as soon as you get it on, like, I mean, things are nice, but these things incur debt you have to make payments like if you don't see any money at the end of the day your future is basically dependent on you working exactly and if you want a comfortable retirement okay you could start paying more attention to your your life and how your financial situation is like when you're 40 but if you start now it could look a lot different than when you're you know 55 and still doing acting like this and that's why a lot more like the most affluent people i know i typically had a vision in my mind of them and they were it never reached that that vision at all or it never exactly came out to be like that yep like it's how could i explain it in the best way because i like i use that as a principle to do live my life on because at first i wanted you know go to tech, get rich, Mm -hmm. you know, buy nice things. It's mostly about like living within your means and finding a hobby or something that you can also like make into a a passive income. It doesn't have to be, but it would be much to your benefit, like to live below your means. Like that's where I'm at now. Like I want to graduate just live below my means like okay i might be living with less money or it might look like you know i'm just trying to get by but this money that is actually just sitting around i could use to speculate on options like not all the time like don't just put your right. life into risky right. things but uh learning it and having money to say to play with yeah. and yeah experiment with different things because they can be very lucrative 
but you just need to be open enough and be disciplined enough so that you can have money for these these situations exactly yeah that's i think in our society it's an instant gratification society so people want what they want like now they want it yesterday (laughs) so a lot of people aren't willing to play the long game like we were talking about earlier with investments whatever else and let their money grow as they you know just you know live life like a regular person um I think, well, my dad says a lot. He's an accountant. So, like, I learned a lot of this stuff from him. I'm definitely blessed to have him, you know, in arm's reach because he's kind of like my financial advisor, basically. Um, and he said, what well, we have on our hands, like being 20, 21, whatever. I'm only 19, but uh, we have time on our time. We have time on our side. There are, there are a lot of people, like you said earlier, that are 40 and they're like, all right, let me start thinking about retirement now. At that point, it's too late. Like, if you ain't been saving anything, it's not too late, but, like, you can't retire anytime soon if you haven't been putting money it's away. It's going to look a lot different. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's going to look a lot different. You can retire, but it's going to look different <laughs> than if you started at 19. So, it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. Like, you don't have to go live on a street, like, in a box with Squidward or anything. But just yeah. live, like, you know, instead of living, like, say you make, I don't know, 6000 a month. Instead of living, yes. like, you make 6000 a month, like... Live like you got four thousand. Take that two thousand extra. Invest that every single month. That's gonna grow. That's gonna skyrocket. Like pay yourself. Say that again. Pay yourself first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a that's a good um, a good investment strategy. Like if you take care of all of your investments and you take care of the the bills and everything, then you can take whatever's left and spend that on whatever you want. That's a good way to budget. Uh, if you don't want to like plan out every little you know meticulous thing that you guys spend or whatever, um, so investment calculator. So there is an investment calculator. So on calculator dot net, if y'all want to check it out, um, I got this on my phone right now. So I'm gonna just like give an example, right? So I said investing two thousand dollars a month, right? Assume that you take that two thousand dollars and you put it in stocks, right? In like an index fund, which is comprised of the top you know several stocks and it's very stable if you look at like its history and the stock market it goes up kind of like what we said earlier it's very stable so you know that you're going to make money off of it in a few years so say that after 10 years you invest two thousand dollars a month into an index fund i'm gonna click calculate and see how much that comes out to that comes out to 360k after 10 years right just two thousand dollars so say, like we said earlier, you're making $6,000. You take 2000 of that, just $2,000. It's not even half. You take 2000 and you invest that. You don't even touch it. You just let it grow. After 10 years, that's $360,000. Just, you know, sitting there. And it doesn't stop there. Like that money continues to make money and so on and so forth. Um, but if you're a little more aggressive, say we double that to 4000 instead of 360000 at the end of 10 years you end up with 720000 So, like, I mean, that's incredible money. For what we'll be making after tech, like, that's definitely doable for us. Especially, like, if we don't have kids, not, I mean, some of us will be married, some of us might not be married. Like, that's definitely doable. Um, and it's just yeah. a matter of, like, what you said earlier, just being disciplined enough to follow through with it and just to keep it up for that long, so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I want to say is that no matter what type of investor you guys will become that you just have to be disciplined in it. Cause like 
even though we talked a lot about like options and how risky they are and understand it is a very volatile game and you could also play the safe route and be ETFs. There's nothing wrong with either of them, but they both take a amount of discipline and like noticing patterns and making judgments, not just based off of what your friends tell you or what like you've heard on the internet, but off your own sound judgment and off the sure. research that you've done. And that's the way you really make wise investments that turn into numbers like this. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, don't be fooled by those Forex people. I don't know what goes on with them. That's like my third time mentioning them because like they're like a uni- it's like a unicorn thing, bro. It's like either it's it's real or it's not. Like they're making money. Dude, I don't know dude, how I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So Forex is a real thing. Like you can actually make money doing Forex. What's the, the catch groups? though? It looks like a, so the, a pyramid scheme is, or something. <laughs> like So the thing is they have so I'm not in one, but from what I've been told, like having a meeting with one, you pay for the system, like the platform to use it on or to trade with. You pay for the community that like they put you in because they'll put you in like a group chat and you have other people that are trading as well. So you can get tips from them. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing yeah. like it happens in stocks as well, where that you have to pay or you pay to be in like a community of some sorts. And they do it a lot. Like they're talking about, yo, two hundred dollars a month to be part of this community. I'm like, yo, I'm in college. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a community. That, there's a price range for everybody, and then there's uh, so you pay for the platform, you pay for the community, and like the events and stuff that you might mm-hmm. want to attend. So that's what goes into it. Uh, it's lucrative, actually trading, and then it, there's incentives for recruiting as well. That's why people are like so doing forex, like yes, yes, yes. Because like, think about it. Stocks don't have this type of like group mentality behind it. Yeah. You'll never hear some yeah. somebody be like, "I trade stocks," and you'd be like, "Okay," but they'll be like, "I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to." <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> right. "Oh, oh right. you want to make some money?" Yeah. But uh, definitely having a group is a benefit. It's just they're trying to take advantage of that benefit and also. Like the bigger organization is like, yo, we get paid like two grand a month or 200 a month for these people to be in here. So like if you get them to pay their 200 a month or you get somebody or three or four people like, yo, you can make a thousand bucks. That's how it is. And it's all about like the more upfront cash other than the. The long term thing. That's why I was never. If you learn how to. Yeah. If you learn how to trade Forex, it is it teaches you a lot about day trading. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like a lot of the techniques and the principles in day trading, you can see in Forex. It might come out differently, but it wouldn't be hard to switch between the two if someone ever decided that. So that's the one thing I do see with Forex. It's just that I wouldn't do it because I'm more focused on getting stocks down before I go to that. Sure. And then like sure. any other investments that I would be interested in. Yeah. It sounds like you like it a lot. Like you enjoy the day trading type thing. And I think in order to be good at it, you have to enjoy it somewhat. Cause it's a lot. It takes a lot of work from what I've heard yeah. to pay attention to the news, to read articles and to know like when to trade, you know, certain stocks. So I personally don't have the time or the energy or the desire to do that. 
but for people that do it, I definitely respect it. Um, and it's, it sounds like a good way to, you know, to make some money. So, yeah, you definitely invest your time in the different ways. Everybody invests their time in different ways. Like you are more investing into becoming a better coder, becoming a better photographer, videographer, yep. stuff like that. I, I enjoy the business side of it. I also want to be better in my craft, like towards my degree. I just like seeing different sides and getting different perspectives so that when opportunities do come, I know what they're talking sure, about. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And it doesn't seem like I have to go in, like, pull out a textbook or, like, what you mean, or I just let it blow by me because I don't know what they're talking about. But, right. I mean, it might it might not be useful. It might be useful. Who knows? But, I mean, I know it. That's the beauty of it. Yes. It was cool learning it. So, yeah. But, uh, Invest your money. That's the, the takeaway. Invest. I actually got one last question for you. So Hit me. Before I'm you go, uh, we're going to go back to photography. Let's do it. And it's one of my bigger things. Uh, so as a photographer these days, especially now, like we are in a pivotal moment in our society where things are changing almost by the day and we really don't know what the futures look like or what it looks like and we can only wish that it will resemble something of what we're used to in the past especially with like coronavirus and everything else that's going on yeah and it reminds me a lot about how we see pictures in like textbooks especially in like history class to give us a picture of how things were like in the past and basically explain that story. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like photographers have a huge role in mm-hmm. showing the future generations how our time will look like. Right. So what are the key moments that you would look into or what the key moments are that you would shoot and get pictures of to represent what this time sure what the time we're living in looks like yeah that's a really dope question um that's very introspective i like the lead up <laughs> um this time is crazy first of all like with all of the systemic racism and uh police brutality that stuff is not new that's been here since we got here since they brought us over here right but it's interesting with technology, now we're able to see all of that stuff and we're able to distribute it to the masses very easily. Um, so obviously that stuff is incredibly important to you know to perpetuate through future generations. Um, but for me, um, I had this idea to take pictures of black fathers with their families. Um, I have a lot of instrumental black fathers in my life right now. Uh, and growing up that I would love to highlight and to to bring positive light to because in the media, there have been a lot of black men and women that have been killed, uh, specifically black men, because that's what I'm talking about. Um, and it's just like a very negative perception on black men in our society in the United States, um, just but in the media, you know, you see them as gangsters and drug dealers and um, a lot of negative things in the media because that's how people you know decide to portray them but we know and black people everywhere know that you know that is not the large group of black men um and i think it would be really dope to show the positive black figures in my life positive black men 
you know, with their families and respectable careers and all that kind of stuff through photos. Um, and I really wanted to try to get into visual storytelling, you know, not just creating, you know, good looking portraits just because they look cool <laughs> and they're pleasing to the eye or the model's pretty or whatever, but because it tells a story and it's meaningful and it's, you know, giving something to someone. Um, and I think that would be a really, really dope way to change the stereotype or the perception around black men in America by just like, you know, getting pictures of them playing with their kids or working from home or, you know, loving on their wives or whatever else. Um, like all that kind of stuff, I think would be cool to, to capture in photos. Um, so I've had that idea. I haven't executed it yet just because I work nine to five and, um, you know, I'm working on like some other business stuff too. I'm doing a lot of learning and, you know, stuff with graphic design. So, uh, yeah, but to answer the question, I'm very long winded if you guys can tell already, but to answer the question, I think it would be cool to perpetuate that, uh, and kind of change the narrative around black people so that people in the future, when they look back, um, they see the, a, a positive image of black men it is black people in general in the United States. I feel that. Let's fight to get in the textbook this time. Man, it's a it's a hard fight. It's a hard fight. All we know about black people in the history books is that they were slaves. There's so much more to us. And I don't know how that can change. But, man, we could talk for forever. There's so many things to talk about. Yeah, honestly. But I know you got stuff to do. And it was great having to talk with you. And, uh... If you let people know, like, where can they find you at? Yeah, um, I'm at Shot by Nehemiah everywhere on the Internet. Um, Nehemiah is spelled N-E-H-E-M-I-A-H. I'm sure it's in the title somewhere. I don't know or the description. But yeah, at Shot by Nehemiah on Instagram. Um, and my website is Shot by Nehemiah.com. So if you want to check me out there, I got my portfolio on there and some other stuff. If you want to book with me. I'm based in Atlanta. I'll be back in a month. So, uh, yeah, check me out. Before we close, I just want to get a couple housekeeping things done. Foremost, if you learned something from this episode, resonated with anything, or you just enjoyed the content, please leave a like, subscribe, share with a couple friends, and leave some feedback on what you think I could do better so I can continue giving quality content. And I want to know what your favorite part of this episode was or anything that you took away from it. So follow me on my Instagram and Twitter for Instagram at underscore R dot Mario and Twitter at underscore ohm underscore Mario. I'll leave them in the description below and let me know what that takeaway was. Well, this has been the fourth episode of Ohm. Uh, I'll see you guys next time.